Well, good morning and welcome uh, to College Road this morning. And today we're going to begin a brand new series entitled Hope is Here. And whether or not you're watching online or whether you're here in person with us today, welcome to Back to Church Sunday. I would argue that one of the greatest needs that we have in our lives today, especially after the year that we have uh, just recently gone through together, is a sense that there is some type of hope in the world. I mean, some of us have experienced some significant loss in this year, and it's been overwhelming. In many cases, we, we can't even see light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, it's caused some of us to maybe even doubt our faith, and some of the things that we used to hold on to very tightly, maybe we don't value as much as we used to. Some of us feel broken because of the pain that we've seen in our country and the division that's in our country or even in our world. And can we all just take a moment and just agree that we desperately need some hope, hope in very dark times. Uh, it reminds me actually of a, a story about a Little League baseball team. Uh, these kids were all on the field or in the dugout. They were playing their hearts out. They were doing the very best that they could do. And yet one of those teams was losing in a just huge landslide. The, the uh, man walked up to the, the dugout, the coach, with his kids that were there. And it was 16 to nothing in the first inning. And he walked over to his kids and he looked at him and he asked one of the little boys that was there if he was discouraged, if he felt like the score was overwhelming, if he had lost hope that they might be able to win the game. And the little boy looked at him dead in the eyes, a little bit puzzled, and said, why would I be discouraged? We haven't even been up to bat yet. What a great outlook on what seems to be a very desperate and dark situation and yet, just to realize, you know what? We still got hope. We haven't even been up to bat yet. We haven't even started our ability to score. That's one of the ways to look at the challenges of life that we face day to day. The church, throughout history, has had the audacity to have hope in the face of trouble. With overwhelming, seemingly insurmountable odds, the church just consistently said, nope, we've still got a mission to, to accomplish. We still have a purpose in life. We can still bring glory to God. And it stems from, ultimately, the fact that we know we serve a risen Savior. And the resurrected Jesus Christ gives us hope. When things look the darkest for Jesus in his life, as he hung on the cross, he knew it was far from over. The tomb wouldn't be the end of his mission. He would defeat death. He would be resurrected back to life. And with this as the backdrop to the church, there has always been reason to hope. It may seem like a very dark time. It may seem like some of the darkest of your life. But there's still hope. In the Gospels, Jesus was always offering hope to those who were around him. Whether it was a crippling disease, whether it was an oppressive government, whether it was a physical or a spiritual hunger, 
or even an evil attack, Jesus would meet people right where they were, and the characters of Scripture knew that if Jesus showed up, then hope is here. You, you read through the Gospels and you realize that every funeral that Jesus attended, he broke up by raising that person from the dead. If Jesus is present, then hope is here. There are times when we're in need of a reminder of that hope. And there's no better place to receive a reminder of that hope than in church. Life circumstances have a way of leaving us feeling hopeless. But if you really pay attention to what Scripture teaches, to what Jesus is teaching, then there is nothing in life that should be able to steal the hope that we find within ourselves when we're weary, when we're tired, when we're worn out, which sometimes is when we need hope the most. And I can imagine in this room and watching online today, there are people that know exactly what it feels like to be without hope. You're waiting for a diagnosis. You're trying to figure out how you're going to pay bills. You're wondering if you can save your marriage. The uncertainty of COVID-19 in your life and the life of those around you. You're trying to grow spiritually in the midst of all of this. And it's times like these when we can feel like there's just no way to keep going. And all we want to do is give up. Well, Jesus was aware of that tendency within people. He knew that they were shouldering heavy burdens. Nobody shouldered burdens like Jesus did. He knew that there were people that were struggling to lose hope. Jesus spoke to his followers about another one of his uh, followers, a man by the name of John the Baptist, who was in a very dark time right before his life was about to be taken. And he found himself in a dark time filled without hope. He was questioning Jesus. Jesus, why are you not saving me? Jesus, why have you not rescued me? Jesus, are you really the one that is to come? Or should we be looking for someone else? And, and he began to talk about John's faithfulness in the midst of those very dark times. He was in prison. He was asking Jesus for a sign of hope. Losing hope about whether or not Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And if his work had been in vain. And in light of this, knowing that all of the people standing around him also were going through difficulty and struggles and finding it hard to find hope, Jesus spoke these words in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is doing a couple of things in these few verses here. First of all, he's acknowledging that life is heavy. It is filled with burdens. Many of us are hard on ourselves because we struggle to carry those burdens. We work hard to keep up with others around us, and we get weary. And Jesus kind of normalizes it for us. He reminds us, you, you shouldn't feel bad when you feel crushed by the burdens of your life. We shouldn't feel like a failure. When we do, we often shy away from going to God, being vulnerable ourselves, and instead of recognizing our dependence upon God, we get down on ourselves. And that's not the response that we ought to have. Our response ought to be to reach up to God for help. We can't avoid recognizing our need for Him. Jesus tells us that if we're weary, we ought to come to Him. This is an invitation to, 
to come to the one who offers hope. But second, Jesus is offering us a solution. He's not just acknowledging that life is difficult and filled with burdens, but he tells us that we can exchange our yoke for another. A yoke is a wooden harness that a farmer would attach to livestock to help them plow a field or to pull a cart. The yoke would keep the livestock safe as they worked and would help the animal to submit to the farmer because the farmer was actually leading from behind, but leading because of the yoke that was placed upon him. There were some people in Jesus' audience who were submitting to a way of life that was based on the law, and it was really hard to live up to. Matter of fact, Scripture teaches us it was impossible to live up to. Here's the list of demands, and you have to keep them perfectly, and they couldn't, and they were burdened with that. It was religious legalism. It was performance-based. It was driven by need to succeed and to stay ahead and to be better than everybody else. But the yoke that Jesus was offering to them was one of grace and mercy and compassion and love, not the law. One, one yoke caused people to be weary. A lot of times that's what we put on ourselves. But the other one causes people to find peace and hope. He invites us to remove whatever yokes have us weighed down and to put his yoke on us, because it's light. And he's going to direct our paths. Our hope is in him. The interesting thing about Jesus' illustration about a yoke is that a wooden yoke wouldn't typically be worn by one cow. It usually would have been in tandem with a second cow. They worked together to pull and to plow the fields. You, you know what we're reminded about as we celebrate back to church Sunday today? We're reminded that we are better together. That God has given us to each other. And we ought to lean into each other as we collectively are dependent upon him. We find hope and direction and rest and peace. So here's the big question for us today. As we look at this passage of scripture from Galatians chapter 6. Are you weary? Are you tired? Are you worn out from life? If you are, then you're like everybody else. But guess what? Jesus says, if you're weary, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and you will find rest. Let's look at a passage of scripture that deals with some of the reasons why we might be weary today. One of the things that shouldn't shock you, it's an epidemic bigger than the pandemic that we're going through now. It infects everyone and here's a question for all of us to just kind of ponder for just a second. Are you weary from sin? The sin, have you weighed down? Are you tired? Are you worn out from a life separated from God? Verse 1 of chapter 6 of the book of Galatians says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness and keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Here's a a great reminder in the context of what Paul is saying here. We're better together, but as the body of Christ, we exist to help each other to recognize when we're weary, when we're tired, when we're worn out, that the answer to all of those overwhelming uh, obstacles in our life is not to go further away from the church and further away from Christ and his family, but to draw near to it and to draw near to him. If anybody's caught in a transgression, if we're weighed down with sin, if we're heavy in the body of Christ, that's who he's talking to, the church, 
in Galatia. If there are people in the church weighed down with that sin, those of you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. What does that mean? It means the church is important in our life and we come back to church because we need accountability. We need each other to help us see our blind spots and to help us know when we're not doing things the way we should. Listen, if you live on an island, you will always make excuses and try to justify the reason why you live the way you live and the decisions you make and the things that you say and the stuff that you do. There, there are, and there need to be, consequences for our actions. But accountability is not the same as condemnation. It is not about telling people they're bad people. We're all sinners. That's not our job. Our goal must be to restore them to God and to the church family. And sometimes it's hard. But it's a lot easier for us to tear people down than it is to build people back up. So we need to never forget we all have the same problem. Our problem is sin. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And that's true of people that have never been in church. That's true of people that have been in church every day that the doors are open in the church since they were born. It's not about checking off those boxes of things. It's not about being legalistic. It's not about law. No, it is about the grace of God and recognizing that everything that we have and all of our hope is in Him. Are you weary from sin? You know what you need? You need brothers and sisters in Christ around you to invest in your life and to help you, to pray for you, to encourage you, to build you up. But you know what else we need? And man, this is, this is just so true for all of us. Those that are in the building, watching online, not paying attention at all today, that aren't even thinking about church today. You know what we need? We need humility. Because he says here in verse 1, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. It's really easy to point the finger at other people, but that's not what the church is about. The church isn't about telling everybody how bad they are. The church is about saying how good Jesus is and how much he wants to come in and to have control and, and to put his yoke upon you and to direct you in the paths of righteousness, to help you to become everything he created you to become. It's in that humility that we actually find ourselves able to help people that are weighed down with sin and with other things because it may not be sin. Maybe today you're weary from the burdens of life. Are you weary from your burdens today? Because in the church, here's what you ought to find. People that will come alongside you and help to bear your burdens. Look what he says in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. I think back to not just the, the pandemic and COVID and everything, but just over the last 18 months to two years, how many, how many families within our community where their houses have burned down, and they've lost everything. And, and I can just remember people in our church and other churches in our community, they hear about these families, and, and several of them, Within our church family and outside of our community, they, they have kids, and now they have nothing. They escaped with the clothes on their back, basically. And, and the churches and the communities and the believers in this community just came together and started doing car washes and started, uh, started having, uh, basically, uh, collecting clothes and different 
uh, appliances and furniture and a lot of that happened even within our church and we were able to provide some things and appliances and stuff so that these families who had nothing now could be encouraged and built up and so that the church could come alongside them and bear their burdens these families were overwhelmed some of them didn't even know what to say how to say there was a car provided in one instance and another church came alongside and paid for tires for that car and the only thing they could say is we you know we were in a hopeless situation we we didn't feel like there was any hope moving forward there was no way for us to make it from where we are to where we need to be and then the church showed up you know why the church showed up because the church belongs to jesus and the grace and peace and rest that jesus offered he extends through his hands and his feet and his body the church you know what what is it that could be said about every one of the churches today that are taking part in back to church sunday wherever there is a lack of hope in our community it's our responsibility to come alongside them and carry the burden. Because when Christians are here, Jesus is here. And when Jesus is here, hope is here. And here's the thing. Christ saved you for his glory. To point people to the fact that he is here. And that his hope is present. And that his glory is attainable. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Not, not the law, the law of Christ, of grace and mercy and compassion and salvation that comes through Jesus and him alone. If anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. We're not here to bring glory to ourselves. The church is not about raising our own kingdom, building our temple. No, the church is about lifting up the name of Jesus for his glory and, and so that he might shower his resources and he might shower his power upon the church so that we can go out on mission to carry the burdens of our neighborhood and to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. He saved you for his glory. Christ saved you for his mission. Let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. You know, there's a real tendency to compare yourself to other people. And sometimes that makes you feel good, and sometimes that makes you feel bad. But he says, for each will have to bear his own load. You know, at some point, you're going to have to stand before God and give account for what you did with the life that you were given. And it's not going to make any difference what your mommy and daddy did, or your grandma and granddad, or your son or your daughter, your niece and your nephew, your aunt and your uncle, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend. It won't make any difference what your bitter rival and enemy did. You're not going to be able to stand before God and say, look how bad they were. That won't make any difference. What will matter is what you did with Jesus. And here's the message that's been given to all of us. Hope is here. There's hope for the weary, for those that are weary because of their sin, for those that are weary because of the burdens of life. You need the church because Christ gave us the church to build us up, to hold us accountable, to encourage us, to come alongside us and to help us carry the load of life. But here's another question for you. Are you weary from expectation? Maybe the expectations that you have, you've placed on yourself. Maybe it's because of what other people expect of you. Look what Paul says in verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows into his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. 
But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This principle is true regarding what we do with our habits, with our lives, with our actions. When you participate in something, you are sowing your life into your life, the appetite for that thing that will result in a greater craving for it. But here's the problem. A lot of the things that we're sowing in our life are expectations we've placed on ourselves, are expectations others have placed on you. You don't have time for church because there's too many other things out there that are dragging your attention and, and, and you are so focused on the expectations of the world or your inner desires that it's never even crossed your mind that God had something bigger and better for you. You know how an appetite works, right? An appetite doesn't go away when you feed it. You may satisfy it for a little while, but ultimately it just comes back stronger. Every time you go to a buffet or to a, a restaurant and you begin to eat and you gorge yourself, you stuff yourself with, with those kinds of food, you get to the place to where you say, I will never do that again. I'm never going to eat like that again. Moderation is my new mantra. From now on, I will just not buy into doing those things. But what's the problem? Four hours later, you're rummaging through the pantry, you're in the refrigerator, you're looking for something sweet, you're trying to fill yourself up with something else that's out there. You feed an appetite, and you know what happens to it? It doesn't go away. It grows. It comes back stronger. Well, this is how life works. We spend our entire life trying to meet the expectations of others or even expectations that we have placed on ourselves, and we never feel satisfied. We always want more. And eventually we're exhausted from trying to meet expectations that we have created for ourselves. But here's the thing. This is the beautiful thing about this passage of Scripture that we're reminded. What if we spend our life seeking after and chasing after the things that are, that are important to our Creator, the one who made us, the one who redeemed us, the one who has called us according to His name and His mission. All the energy that we need for healthy and holy living is provided through the one who spoke your life into existence. Nobody knows it better than him. Are you weary from all the expectations in your life? Guess what? The expectations that God has placed on your life, he also equips you to accomplish. So here's what he tells us to do. Share the truth of the word of God. This ought to be at the top of your list. You cannot... Share the truth of the Word of God unless you've actually invested the Word of God into your life. Let the one who is taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Isn't that amazing? You need to study and hear and be taught the Word of God so that you can share it with others. The more you study God's Word, the more you want to share it. Sometimes you'll be the teacher. Sometimes you'll be the student. But either way, make sure what you're learning, what the expectations are, are around what God wants to tell you through his word. Not what everybody else wants you to understand, but what does God want you to know? If you make sure that you are surrounding yourself with the word of God, then you will be better equipped to share the fruit of the Spirit of God. You cannot possibly share the fruit of the Spirit of God unless you've actually spent time in the word of God. The truth will set you free. It'll set you free to the life he created you to live. You know, part of the problem is many of us have been trying to do this on our own. And can I just be honest for a second? It doesn't make any difference 
if you were trying to do it on your own at home by yourself or if you were trying to do it on your own in the church surrounded by other believers. Plenty of people will walk in this morning and they're going to sit down and they're going to feel good about themselves because they're in church, like they did something, but they're going to leave unchanged and having done nothing, not building other people up, not holding them accountable, not encouraging them, not praying for them, not bearing one another's burdens, just come and sit and receive and then leave like you did something. And completely, it is completely true that God is wanting to do something in and through you this morning. But guess what? He also wants you to get up and go and be a part of his mission in the church and outside the church. You're going to share the fruit of the Spirit of God. Look at what Paul says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. If you sow your own expectations into your life, then expect that to be your reward. But if you sow to the Spirit, then from the Spirit flows abundant and everlasting life. The expectations God places on you, He equips you to accomplish. You can do what He's called you to do. If you recognize you can only do it by taking his yoke upon you. That's going to be true no matter what the circumstances. Whatever you sow, you will reap. So, if you sow lying, then every time you do, it'll get easier. To the point where you won't even recognize that you're lying anymore. If you sow pride, then every time you act on pride, it'll get easier. It'll become more natural until you basically become a narcissist. And you don't even realize how ridiculous you sound to everybody else around you. You just are certain that your whole life and everybody else's life revolves around you. It's true for any sin. If you act on it, it'll become more and more part of you. But it is also true of righteousness. The more you act on righteousness, the more it becomes a part of you. How do you do that? What is it that helps you to accomplish these things? The tools and the resources that God has given you, it's a very short list. It is a very powerful list. You need to study God's word more. You need to pray more. You need to share the gospel more. Oh, and by the way, you need to be around God's people more. In worship services, in life groups, and in ministry opportunities to serve. You need to surround yourself with people who've allowed the expectations of God to be first, first priority in their life. His glory, His mission, His gospel in your life and to the lives of others. Listen, you can get forgiveness for sin, but you can't unsin. Even after forgiveness, the fruit of sin remains. That's why Paul says in verses 9 and 10, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those, look at this, who are in the household of faith. It's really easy to beat up on each other. But what we really need to do is we really need to follow the expectations of the Father and to have love for one another so that the rest of the world knows we belong to Him. What does that look like? Share the goodness of the grace of God. Share the truth of God's Word. We need to share the 
fruit of the Spirit of God, but we also need to share the goodness of the grace of God. It's not just about us, it's about Him. This whole church experience is about being a part of the household, the family of faith, the family of God. We belong to Him, and we need each other. And hope is here. Hope for the weary can be found here. You know, you feed what's important to you. If it's a fleshly, sinful desire, or if it is a fruit of the Spirit, you feed what's important to you. I feed my kids because I want them to stay alive. There are so many times in our family where some of the kids aren't happy with what we're going to be serving for a meal. And listen, with seven people in our home, almost every meal somebody's not going to like. They, they're just not the same. They don't have the same likes and dislikes. That's why it's easier to go to a restaurant. Everybody can order what they want to. But the truth of the matter is, even when we're fixing something and we ask everybody in our household, hey, listen, this is what we're going to be having for dinner tonight. Is everybody okay with that? Anybody want to make any changes? No, that sounds great. We're happy. Let's eat that. Everybody's excited. We're looking forward to dinner. And then we pass out the plates and the food goes on the plate and, and it gets passed in front of people and all of a sudden, I don't want this. Well, we just talked about it a minute ago and everybody said it was fine. Yeah, but I didn't know this is what it's going to look like. I didn't know this was the type of meat you were going to be making. I didn't know. Well, I, I didn't know. And so finally, there are some nights when it's just too much and the day's been long and I'm not really in the mood to have those conversations and eventually we just get to the point where I'm like fine then just go to bed hungry you don't have to eat just go to bed hungry it's your own fault that you're not eating now of course not too long after that either Beth or sometimes myself overwhelmed with guilt for sending a kid to bed hungry We'll go get them out of bed. We might bring them down to the kitchen, fix them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a bowl of cereal. And you say, why would you do that? Well, honestly, because I want my kids to be alive and healthy. So I feed them. It's important to me. I want to make sure that they get the proper nourishment because I love them. I want to see them grow. I want to see them be successful. And we correct the attitude the best we can, and yet we still feed them sometimes it's hard sometimes it takes a little extra work but we love them so we feed them can I ask you a question real quick why are you spending most of your time feeding selfishness instead of feeding your brother and sister in Christ why are you so interested in building up your own ideologies and your own desires and your own agendas and your own kingdom instead of building the kingdom of God by feeding his family, by feeding those that he's calling to become a part of his family? Why are you feeding temptation instead of good works? Why are you feeding division instead of unity? Why have you set your mind on the things of this world? Can I, can I just tell you something? Part of the reason why you're weary today is because your goals and your expectations have been somewhere other than where God wants your goals and your expectations to be. And his desire is very simple. He told us back in Matthew chapter 11, we looked at it in the very first part of this message, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. All you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Would you bow your heads with me? Whether you're watching online, whether you're here with us today in person, are you weary? Are you weighted down? Does life seem overwhelming? You're not alone. But Jesus has come to give you rest. Hope is here. And that hope, it always has been, it always will be, not in you, not in me, but in Jesus. And because of his wonderful grace, he's given us each other. So maybe today, you need to come to him. Maybe for the first time, you need to follow Jesus. Maybe, even though you're following Jesus, you're still sowing the seeds of the flesh and your own agendas. And you need to get your eyes off yourself and off your circumstances and onto him. You need to come home. You need to be vulnerable. You need to reach out to him. You know what he says? I will give you rest. Are you weary? Hope is here. Father, thank you for the, just the chance to be here with your people in your church. And God, we pray your blessings upon every person watching, upon every person here today that you would draw them to you, the greatest blessing that you've ever given to us is a relationship with you through Jesus Christ, your Son. May we find hope in him. May we find light in him. May the darkness of this life fade away in the glory of the light of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And God, may we run and chase after him and help us to touch and to reach and to minister to as many people as possible in the church and outside the church and as you said in your word especially in the household of faith may we be found faithful to your church for your glory to call us home to be with you in jesus name we pray amen